to Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale. We're talking about the stories we tell ourselves, the mindsets, myths, and misinformation that can hold us back, and then turning our focus to action steps that bring about success mastery in business and life. The goals are to define success on our own terms and to master that success without excuses or apologies. Hi, everybody. Welcome, 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 welcome to Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale and this special episode. Let me start by asking you some questions. And I know the answer is going to be different for everybody, including, you know, people who are introverts versus extroverts. For example, have you ever walked into a meeting, whether it's a a volunteer group or a professional meeting, and just kind of felt out of place? You don't know why, and you don't know how to get in and and start um, and become part of the the process and you kind of wish somebody would come and bring you in and kind of show you how to become involved or how to mesh with that group and be part of it. Um, again, I, I, I'm an extrovert and I've had those moments there that have been difficult for me to feel needed or wanted or understood in a, in any particular group. So if I being as outgoing and, um, crazy as I am, can have those experiences. I'm sure there are other extroverts out there, and that's probably pretty commonplace for introverts. But think about those feelings that you've had, and now take those feelings and imagine what it would feel like to be a child who has special needs, who is in a classroom or any other setting, who wants to belong, who wants to fit in, who wants to have friends, And they don't really know how to do that. They don't know how to take that next step. And maybe they don't even know that they wish that someone would come to them and bring them in. But that would be something that might be very, very helpful for for them. And imagine, too, being the parent watching that play out in your child's life where there's, you know, they just so desperately want to belong They so desperately want what the rest of us want, to be loved, to feel that community, that friendship. And it's not not always easy. As a matter of fact, that's why we're talking about this today. How can we as people, as children, as parents, help to bring these people into our world, to help them feel loved and wanted and needed and nurtured. So luckily, I've got a special guest here today who can answer some of those questions because she has lived these scenarios. And I want to spend time learning how we can be more sensitive, more in tune, and more knowledgeable about what role we play in these kinds of relationships. So my guest today is Karen Franco. Karen is an author, a speaker, a special needs advocate, and a parent of her son, Jacob. Karen earned a journalism degree at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater and has worked in a variety of journalism jobs. Life took Karen to California, where Jacob was born, but little did she know that Jacob would, would change her life forever. All parents, I think, can relate to that, but Karen has a unique and, and special story that she's going to share with us here today. Karen calls Jacob her inspiration for writing children's book, book children's books that teach understanding patience and most of all, acceptance of children with different abilities. Karen has earned multiple awards for her books. She's been interviewed by major media outlets. She's spoken at educational conferences, schools, and other groups where, as a parent advocate, she's been able to speak up for special needs children and the people who support them. So please help me welcome my special guest today, Karen. How are you, Karen Franco? Good morning. I'm great. How are you, Arlene? I am doing great. Thank you so much for being here today. I think you and I have talked a little bit about, you know, I want to understand, but 
I, I really don't. And so that the, the language and the verbiage and what I, my role in the process of including special needs children. But before we get to that, I want to kind of back up a little bit because, you know, we all have these dreams and these ideas in our head about what parenting is going to look like and what love of that child is going to feel like. So kind of tell me as you went in and you found out you were going to have a baby, what what ideas of parenting did you have? And then let's move into how would, how did that differ from your reality? Okay. Um, I was so excited when I found out I was pregnant. Um, you know, let me backtrack one second. You know, at first I wasn't sure if I wanted children. Um, it was just one of those things that my husband and I talked about. And, you know, so it took us a while before we decided to have a child. We were married five years. You know, and so that's kind of a long time, you know, in some respect. So, but when I did find out I was pregnant, we were so happy. And um, I just felt very blessed at the time, you know. And honestly, throughout my pregnancy, I felt amazing. I never had a day of sickness. I was hungry. I was, I mean, everything, like, I just felt good. You know, my hair felt good. My nails were good. (laughs) Everything about me, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is wonderful. You feel that baby kick. Mm -hmm. And it was just an amazing feeling. Um. My parents were, of course, like the best role models, and I was so fortunate, and they were excited, and my family was. And um, we went through the journey, you know, and it was normal. Everything was fine. There were no issues at all. Um, But Jacob decided he needed to come early. So about 35 weeks into my pregnancy, um, I started having contractions, really heavy contractions, um, the doctor didn't want me to have the baby at 35 weeks. It was kind of a, a tender time. You know, it was kind of a unsure time of development inside the womb. They talk about the lung developing and even later things with the heart. So I was kind of worried. So he stopped my contractions and he said, go home and rest. So I did. Well, it didn't last because yeah, because uh, that's uh, easier said than done, right? To just go, just go home and rest. <laughs> if you're anything like me, going home and resting probably has a very different meaning than what the doctor means. Yeah. It didn't happen, of course. Clearly, I was up doing something where I probably shouldn't have. But that evening, um, the next evening, I should say, my water broke, mm. and there was no stopping it at that point. So we get to the hospital, and um, it was. So fast. I mean, I didn't even have time for an epidural. This was cold turkey. No, not even an aspirin. I was ready to give birth. And um, Jacob came and everything went well. I mean, the birth, I mean, really everything went according to plan. And even as a premature baby, he was good size. He was born five pounds, exactly. And that's a good size baby, you know, even being five weeks early. So um, everything was fine. The APGAR, you know, the whole thing was great. So they cleaned Jacob up and did what they needed to do. And they're like, okay, mom, it's time for feeding. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I know how to feed a baby. You know, my goodness, I did a lot of babysitting. I know how to do this. So I'm holding my baby (laughs) and I have a bottle in my hand and I put the bottle in his mouth and he just sat there. And I'm like, hmm. And I'm wiggling it around, nothing. And I thought, well, this is odd. So I immediately called the nurse. And he didn't have his sucking reflex at that Mm. point at 35 weeks. So um, that is a normal thing for a preemie. So it wasn't, you know, red flag too much. It was just like, okay, well, now we have to gavage feed the baby. Then they stick the tube down his into his tummy, and that's how we're going to feed him until he develops his sucking reflex. We're like, okay. So we did what we had to do, and he was put into the, the NICU, you know, the neonatal uh, ICU. And um, as they, they clearly couldn't send him home with me right. if he was, didn't have a sucking reflex. So we had to leave him in the hospital, which was really hard. Here I am, a new mom, and not being prepared to leave my baby. You know, I'm ready to take him home, and I can't. So, right. um, so already, already things are starting to unfold in a way that was unexpected. Right. And so everything's different. You know, I can't bring that bundle of joy home with me. And he was in a little incubator and, you know, and he was, and then as time, you know, as another day went on, then they found out he had a hole in the septum of his heart, which isn't uncommon because that healing process happens in the womb, which would happen the last five weeks of pregnancy. So the cardiologist 
said, this will heal on its own. We'll keep an eye on it, but it's not uncommon. So that's another thing with a little hiccup, but nothing to worry too much about. So then um, after 11 days in the NICU, he was able to come home. Yay. Uh, yay. But then you're probably going, right? Oh, my God. It, and it was just every day we would go there and, you know, his poor little body's attached to all these little electrodes and he's so tiny and you know it was just it was hard and luckily the nurse one of the head nurses I'll never forget her Suzanne was my angel she would call me every night and say Jacob is sleeping peacefully you sleep now because you need your rest and she would call me and just give me that reassurance and um she was just my blessing so um and I was away from family you know I was in California my family's in Wisconsin you know we're talking thousand miles away I didn't have my mom to say mom can you come over and you know help me through this you know I don't for her visit so we eventually got Jacob home and then that started a whole nother round of issues um before we brought him home come to find out he had sleep apnea so he would stop breathing a little bit while he was sleeping. So not only did we come home with a baby, but we came home with a sleep apnea monitor with leads on him. And every time he moved and a lead would move, the alarm would go off. It was, it's a deafening alarm. Trust me on this. Everywhere you went, you had to carry this little suitcase with you. So you had this teeny tiny baby in the suitcase carrying. So he would, wouldn't stop breathing. Well, then they give him what they call theophylline and theophylline is a stimulant to keep him awake. Well, then that means your baby does not sleep. Oh, wow. So not only was I scared first-time mom, but I was a sleep-deprived first-time mom. I did not sleep. He never slept. Very colicky. So my first few months with Jacob home was just, I'm like, what did I do? Oh, my gosh, does everybody have this kind of unrest and so much sadness? And so, I mean, I was just a mess. I mean, I could, I had no sleep. And then my husband worked nights. So it was like, I feared the night I was up all night. Mm. That would not stop crying. Well, I think, I think first, I think first time moms in general are sleep deprived. Yeah. Um, But you have extra layers of things going on too. So I know I remember one time I called my husband and I said, if you don't come home for lunch so I can get a shower and a nap, I'm not going to be here when you get here. (laughs) You know, because it it is tough. And that sleep deprivation is, um, it it messes with everything, your emotions, your your mental faculties. I mean, everything just, it goes off. So I think most mothers can can appreciate and understand the the mess of being sleep deprived but again you had a different layer added on top of that with a baby who had medical issues so was there at what point did this that or did it ever stop where you could get some sleep yes um they they gave us a time frame of three months Oh, wow. So three months, which is a long time, um, but he had to get bigger. He had to mm. get more developed in order to meet that breathing, you know, and even to feed him, I would have to hold him. He was so tiny and actually support his chin so he would be able to suck on the bottle, mm. which was a preemie nipple. It was so pliable, but he would fall asleep and he wouldn't eat enough. So you had to keep him like mm-hmm. constantly guiding him through his feeding. So wow. that was always, you know, and then he, he got bigger and things got a little bit easier in the sense that he wasn't so colicky, you know, but um, that took a lot of time. It was, it was not an overnight thing. It was, it was a long time. Yeah. So then you get to the point where, you know, we, we get through those points, we push through and we, and before you know it, oh my gosh, they're almost a year old. They're learning to walk and they're learning to talk. How did that develop? How did those developmental stages um, happen with Jacob? They didn't. Um, You know, every time I had a question about development in the beginning, before he turned a year old, you know, just things that I noticed, you know, he's not doing this, he's not crawling he doesn't want to he's not you know one of the biggest milestones in a baby's development is bringing their hands together to midpoint he never would do that and I'm like right you know so there's I just noticed things and everyone gave me the same answer 
he's premature. He's going to be slower. He's going to be a couple weeks behind everybody else. Just give him time. Just give him time. And that was always the answer. Well, um, moving the calendar forward, um, my husband actually was transferred. He worked at Chrysler. He was transferred back to Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is like where we grew up. So I was actually, we could actually go home. So that was exciting. You know, so Jacob was born in February of 1990. And so by November of 1990, we were already packing up our stuff and we could come back home. So I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. You know, I get to be with my family and, you know, this is what I wanted. So we get back home and still noticing his his slow development. And Jacob turns a year. He's not walking. He's not talking, you know, maybe noises, but nothing, even a word. Well, finally, the pediatrician said to me, he's like, Karen, I, it took me a long time to bring this up, but he said, I, I think something is wrong. Finally, the pediatrician here in Wisconsin said something. He goes, I have a feeling Jacob has something called Williams syndrome. And he gave me all these different um, symptoms or, or characteristics of a child with uh, Williams syndrome. And then he gave me the name of a geneticist in Milwaukee. So clearly I'm so upset, you know, oh my gosh, something's wrong with my baby. Um, so we make the appointment with the geneticist and she was so kind. And so um, she explained everything so well. And we walked in. And the first thing she said to me is, he does not have Williams syndrome. I can tell you just by looking, he does not have Williams syndrome. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. Okay. And she said, but we're still going to go through blood tests and we're going to figure out what's going on, if something is going on. And then the next thing she looked at were his digits, his fingers and his toes. There, um, There's something about how they're developed and how they look that indicate um, some sort of disability or some sort of, um, you know, not a normal growth right in a baby yeah so we go through the blood test and come to find out jacob is missing a tiny piece of his fourth chromosome Hmm. she never saw this particular deletion before um so she wanted to test both of us so she tested me and she tested my husband um let's just say she tested a hundred cells in those hundred cells all of jacob's had this what she called a mosaic and it had this tiny deletion. So she checked 100 cells in both of us. My husband was perfectly fine. But in 16 of my cells is the same mosaic. Wow. So come to find out, I'm the one that passed on this disability to my son. This chromosomal abnormality, I'm the one that passed it on, not knowing. Because I right. developed perfectly normal. I, there were no indications family or otherwise, that there was any disability or any type of um, abnormalities on our side of the family. Well, and so it's a recessive gene, and so he is unique and special in that he got more of you than, um, you know, any another potential pregnancy or baby would have. But talk a minute about, you know, and this is kind of off subject, I wasn't really planning to go here, but, you know, I'm sure that over the years, well, I don't want to put feelings in your mouth tell us how you grappled with that the that information as a mom and oh yeah it's 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 really hard to put into words I was devastated my first I I I was just I was a mess I was a wreck how look what I did to my baby I passed this on to my baby and no one could tell me how he was going to develop no one could tell me anything about where this was going. It was just, this is what happened. This is where it came from. Do your best. And let's, you know, nobody could give me an answer, you know, like do this, do that, do that. And he should be better or follow these guidelines, you know, because no one, she said, no one has seen this particular deletion. So I have all that. I mean, I was depressed. I was clearly just, I, I just so alone because no one knew how I felt and it was so hard to put into words, mm-hmm. but I would look at him and, and, and say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, I don't know what your life is going to be like, but I did this, you know, and it took me a while and I did have to go for some help, you know, to talk about it and, and understand that it wasn't my fault. Clearly right. I didn't know. And, you know, I've gotten through that, you know, every so often it creeps up into my mind when certain things happen, but 
then I have to just dial it back and say, okay, you took this information and you did everything you can to help Jacob have the, the most, all the help he could get. You know, so from that point on, it was my goal. I mean, I was like on a highway to make sure that he had every therapy that he needed to develop and become the the healthiest individual he could be. Right. Well, and, and I think it's really, really important for parents in this situation where it's a genetic issue. You know, I can't even imagine um, the emotions and I'm not even going to try and put words to them and put words in your mouth or other parents' mouth, but I can't imagine the emotion of, of feeling or thinking about, look what I've done. Um, you know, but I want, I want everybody to hear what you said that you sought help, which I think is key because, you know, asking for help is not a weakness. There's no shame in it. As a matter of fact, I would say, and again, this is me knowing just enough to be dangerous is, you know, Asking for help is you doing your best parenting at that time. I mean, would you agree or disagree? I completely agree because in order for me to help Jacob, I had to be healthy and I had to be in the right mindset to lead him on this journey. Uh, And, you know, and I have a very loving family and I could talk to them all the time, but it wasn't the same. I needed because they're the emotional, you know, hug. They're the the, everything's going to be okay. But I needed a different perspective. I needed someone to basically sit me down and say, Karen, all right, let's let's work through this. I needed someone pragmatic and practical and and not tied to the emotional part. So that's what really helped me. And my focus was just to seek out these therapies, which I did. And um, they were amazing. You know, um, I actually found um, a developmental clinic that focused on physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, and then uh, a small little classroom setting to learn developmental tools. So I did this every, I mean, it was, that was my week. I mean, that's what I did day in and day out is I would bring Jacob to this facility. And these therapists were amazing with him. They were, and he loved it. Because they were playing, you know, they're playing, but then again, they're helping in every which way. So what they called it was a birth to three program. And so from the time he was a year old to the time he was three, we just focused on that. And uh, I remember asking the the physical, or I'm sorry, the speech therapist, do you think we could get him just to say, mom, mom, you know, like just, just a little and yeah. No, and she's like, well, I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm working on it. And I remember I said that now he won't stop saying it. But <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like, oh, geez. But, um, you know, that's the, the start of my journey as far as the therapist went. And then after that was he was able to go into a school setting. It was a preschool setting. And then they would follow up and work on these skills. And so it was just kind of a step-by-step stage. And I was very fortunate enough to have um, – the right people in my corner, or at least finding those professionals who could tell me where to go next, you know, and trust me, when you're in the world of special needs, there's so many different avenues to go down. You're you're pulled in so many different directions. And maybe the first one you take isn't the right one, but then you backtrack and you're like, okay, that didn't work, but let's try this one. You know, so there are other options. And I think that's what parents have to remember too, is maybe that first option doesn't work. But don't give up because there's other ones to, you know, find and seek out because there were plenty of doctors I went to talk to and plenty of therapists. And, yes, some did work, some didn't. And then it's kind of trial and error. Did you ever get to a point where you thought, you know, they're telling you to do this, 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 but your instinct, your heart, your gut, whatever you want to call it, was saying to you, but I know my child and that's not working or that's not going to work. Did you ever have to bow up as a parent against that sort of information and advice? Yes. Yes. There were a couple instances, actually, that that happened on child psychologists. I remember Jacob was only maybe five-ish, and he would tell me, "Well, I don't, I don't think we need to go any further because he, once he hits a certain, he's not going to develop anymore. He's not going to develop anymore." Mm. And um, I'm like, "I don't believe that. I just don't." Yeah. And um, so that was one 
doctor that I didn't agree with. Um, there was another um, therapy called craniosacral therapy. And I thought that was going to be the end all be all. I saw how behaviors changed in kids. This was going to be it. But then once we experienced it, I'm like, no, this isn't going to work for Jacob. So yeah, there are different things that we tried that I knew just was too either traumatic or just difficult, you know, in that sense. And it wasn't going to do the job. Yeah. And so I think the important thing point that I'd like to make here is that as parents, we know our children and sometimes we're getting advice from the outside from professionals who they know the textbook, they know the this, they know the that, they know, but they don't know your child like you do. So mm-hmm. that's even, you know, that's something important to have the self-confidence that you were given this child to advocate for this child and then actually do it because it's not always easy. (laughs) No, it isn't. It's, it's a lonely journey, you know, it's, um, and and it's uh, frustrating and it's disappointing at times and you got to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and go, okay, that didn't work, but let's move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And maybe this one will work. And, um, as we went on, you know, as his development went on, as he went, he got older, um, yeah, things changed and his needs changed. Right. You know, they were never constant because as he got older, he needed different therapies and different um, helps or tools to get him through his day, you know, because it, there was a certain point that um, medicine had to be introduced, mm-hmm. you know, because clearly his brain chemistry was different than ours and we needed to stabilize him because he was having uh, a lot of extreme behaviors so I had to seek a psychiatrist who through many years and a lot of different meds you know again trial and error trying to find what works and what doesn't work and what combination of drugs work um, that was another hurdle that we had to get through so so did you experience you know I from my perspective since you had all this outside help and everything, from my perspective, when I had my children, I thought, oh, good, I figured out how to implement this parenting tool or this reward or this consequence. And doggone it, if I didn't figure it out and then they changed. <laughs> did, did you, have you developed, did you develop, were you able to develop parenting tools that were more consistent um, in, in raising Jacob, or did you find the same kind of parenting issues that we have? It was the same in the sense where one day a tool worked and the next day it didn't. Um, that's how it changed a lot of times. Um, because what happened was Jacob didn't start speaking until he was about five years old. So we um, used a lot of sign language with him, and he learned sign language very well. He still actually works better with sign language you um because sometimes when you talk to him it's too overwhelming for him mm-hmm. and i tend to talk too fast so i had to learn to slow down keep my ver- verbal cues very simple very direct so that was actually a tool i had to learn in order to help him learn more so you know it, it constant not only did he learn but i learned oh my good every day was something different i would say every day was an adventure because I just never knew where it was headed, you know, because one day he'd have great behaviors, the next day he's off the charts. So, you know, and like I said, different tools worked at different days or different times. And then something that you never thought would work, worked the best. Right. Um, so, yeah, what you said is true. I mean, in that sense, that it is a constant change that you have to keep up with. So let me ask you um I kind of want to let everybody know where Jacob is now and what he's doing. How is he doing? And then go into the um, what what has happened to your life professionally as um, as a result of this little bundle of joy that you were given with. So, how is Jacob? Where is he now? Well, right now he's twenty five. Wow. So yeah, yeah, he's a young man, and um, we were able to get him. transition into a group home to to try to help him start his life and and give him a future because clearly I think one of our biggest fears especially a mom with a special needs child is you don't live forever you're not going to be here forever to take care of that child and Jacob doesn't have siblings to step in and I don't have anybody to to go to or I would never just give that responsibility to 
one of my siblings, you know, it's not their responsibility. Granted, they take care of them. They would take care of them wonderfully, but I needed to know before anything happened to me that Jacob was safe and secure Mm -hmm. and happy in a place that he could call home away from home. So, um, but that was, that was one of the biggest transitions we ever did. And in order to get to that point, we actually, um, brought in behavioral therapists into the home, my house for about three years before this transition happened. Um, I found a company called um, ABA of Wisconsin and I found it on LinkedIn and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to just give them a call and see what it's like, you know? And I called and they're like, well, sure we can make arrangements for you to come in. And I said, it isn't too late because at that point, Jacob was 20. Right. You know, like, it's never too late. And we were introduced to um, a team of professionals and uh, Jacob's main therapist was Catherine and I've never met a more amazing individual in my life who just understood what I was going through, what Jacob needed. And basically what she did is she brought in um, a few other therapists and they focused on giving Jacob the skills that he needed to move on and to become a little bit more independent. Those daily living skills that we all take for granted getting dressed by yourself, brushing your teeth by yourself, setting the table. I mean, just simple things. So Jacob is now in this transition home and is he doing well? Is he happy? And he's been there now. um, This past September was two years and it's, he's, he's doing well, but he definitely misses home. He's, you know, he's homesick. You know, he misses mom's cooking and he misses, he's very attached to me. We have a very special tight bond that, it's, it's hard to describe, but he, um, you know, but he calls me and we talk and he was with us for Thanksgiving. You know, he came home for about five days and, and I always worry because it's that transition back to right. the house that I have to be very careful and very, um, when I pick him up, explain what's going to happen. Jacob, right. you know, we're going to, you know, we're coming to mom's house for a couple of days. It's your vacation. And then we're going back to your house. So then, you know, it's, it's a constant reminder of what comes next because Jacob is like, first we'll do this and then we'll do that. He has to know what comes next. That helps immensely with behaviors and just his anxiety because he has a lot of anxiety. Yeah. So um, it's, it's kind of a work in progress. And when a pandemic strikes, that doesn't help either. No, it so, doesn't. That just adds it, one more one more layer of difficulty on top of difficulty. On, yeah, I I, I so get that as a parent. Well, that, it, I, it sounds like you're you've done some great things with him and for him. So you know, congratulations mm-hmm. on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's talk a little bit. You know, I want to kind of transition into the. You know, now we know the story of you and Jacob and a little bit about the journey. I want to talk to you or ask you about the nonprofit organization that you created. Every Child's Place. Tell me a little bit about what that is and what need it fills. Oh, my gosh. That's a journey on its own. Um, <laughs> actually, um, when I went back to work, um, unfortunately, Jacob's dad and I, we, we were divorced. He had a hard time dealing with everything. It, it, and that happens. And, that happens. Uh, yeah. And so it, I was pretty much a single mom for a long time, um, just trying to manage manage our life and keep us happy and healthy and so I had to go back to work but the problem was finding daycare no daycare wants to take a child with special needs and that was a journey in itself and luckily um, in the beginning I found different home environments that took him in Um, you know a friend of mine his aunt took him in and loved him and took care of him for three years she was amazing, surely. I mean, I thank God every day for how she took care of him. Well, then he was getting a little older and she wanted to retire and I, I needed to find a daycare. Well, I had so many doors closed in my face. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't take kids like him. Um, you know, just just so much disappointment and so much sadness of what and, and despair. What do I do next? Right. And my mom, it's kind of a silly story. My mom bumped into a friend of hers in the grocery store who also has, we had an older child with special needs, uh, Rachel with Down syndrome. And my mom was telling um, her friend the, the difficulty I was having. And her friend says, will you tell your daughter that she needs to go see Ginny Bridges at Cuddle Care? 
And so, I mean, I went there the next day and come to find out Ginny kind of knew a lot of people in my world and she met Jacob and I told her my story and she's a speech therapist. I, by her okay. And she goes, bring Jacob here tomorrow. He will be with me. He will be here. I'm like, are you sure? And that's, I mean, and that's where Jacob started as far as daycare goes. Well, we had issues with funding because it was a nonprofit. Um, what happened was in between that time, I, let me just step back. Ginny asked me to be on the board of directors. She goes, we need a parent's voice. And I said, absolutely. So 1999, I'm on the board of directors, and I'm still on the board of directors to this day. Awesome. Well, with, with our funding issues and a long journey of trying to find a new facility, we changed our name, and we became Every Child's Place. And through this long journey of finding a place, we partnered with um, the Gateway Technical College in Kenosha because we thought we could partner with their occupational therapy education and nursing. They could come and use our facility you know, to help, you know, get hands on with the children. So it was kind of a win-win. So we developed this beautiful facility and it's there today. And um, it's just wonderful how, you know, it's, it's typically developing kids and special needs. So it's integrated. So everything's exposed and it's just amazing. And I feel very blessed to be. So how many children do you have there now? Well, right now it's, it's, well, kind of, before COVID. <laughs> yeah, it, it's downsized because of that. Um, oh, my gosh, our capacity. We're, you know what? I can't give you a number at the moment. I don't remember, but we had okay. a good, we, I mean, we have a waiting list right now. Wow, that's great. So, so that shows you there's a lot, there's huge need for that. It is a huge need because there aren't facilities and people want, as a mom, you want that peace of mind when you leave your child with these people that he is going to be taking care of no matter what he does, you know, whether it's behaviors or medical issues that they have to right. take care of because these staff people have to learn how to maybe, Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's so many different medical needs. You well, know, and yeah, Ben, you, you talked about how unique and special Jacob's situation is. And then you mentioned down syndrome and then you've got people, yes. you know, children with physical, um, it's you know. a whole spectrum. So you have to have very unique and special people to take care of those children. But let me ask you a question because you've raised, you've said this word several, several times. And as a, my mommy heart has picked up on it, the, the word alone, did, did this facility and bringing these children in help you and Jacob feel less alone? Oh, absolutely. You become, it's kind of a family, you know, you become, um, it was almost a support group because Ginny um, herself is just so immersed in the special needs world. She's an angel on earth. I mean, she truly has a heart that never stops giving. And I think the people that she chose to come on the board um, feel the same way. And so we do have this kind of tight knit and, and kind of family atmosphere. But when I say alone, I don't want to make it sound like um because I'm not alone. I have a wonderful family. Um, I remarried. I have a, a wonderful husband who accepted Jacob because once, you know, I started dating my husband's name is Chris. I said, we're a package deal, you know? Right. So if you want me in your life, you, you, my son comes with. So I mean, right there, that was huge, a huge responsibility on his part. And um, we've been so married maybe 15 just- years. So clearly, I'm not alone in that sense. Yay! But, Congratulations. Know. Well, alone in the sense of being with people who who understand the emotional toll, the physical toll of raising a a, a child who's different. Who's you know we we use the word special, and that word has different connotations. But for, when you use the word a special needs child. What is what are you saying? What's built into that word special needs? You know, I, I think it's it's used all the time now. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's softer, it's right. kinder, it has it has a more um, accepting kind of definition where you know you use the horrible R word or right. mentally challenged. You know, you get into those harsh kind of unkind words, yeah. and you just want to label everybody. You know, it, it's so sad. I mean, Jacob. Throughout this this genetic abnormality, he is on the autism spectrum because of, uh, he you know he's just developed those characteristics. So I think when you say special, you just want to say 
you know, you're a little, you're different. You need a little bit more care. You need um, more guidance. Maybe just a hand, like as my book, you need a hand to hold, you know, and I think special is just that all encompassing kindness, you know, or kind word that kind of opens up the door to that other world that we live in. Because you'd be surprised how many lives are touched by special needs. You know, when you go to vendor fairs and you talk to people, it's like, oh, my cousin's son has a, you know, the, you know, a child with autism or, you know, there's somebody, somebody's life is touched in some way, shape or form. And I think it's just a nice way to generalize or at least keep that group together. Yeah. Uh, and make, it makes it more personal. More it's, pers- a, it's a special child instead yeah. of a mental issue or a physical issue or you know yeah I think I I agree I like I like that I like that a lot I I like the reframing um in my mind what that what that means and I I do agree I think it does personalize it and I think too once you once you kind of I always say I live in Jacob's world is once you're in a world like that you do you your friends aren't the same anymore right because you know my friends who had typically developing kids I didn't fit in anymore. Jacob didn't fit in. So, you know, it's a different, um, it's just a truly a different world. And I established different friendships because of what I needed as much as what Jacob needed. Right. Right. You know, so it was kind of a, a package deal in that sense. And I, and that made it lonely, you know, because we weren't invited to the parties. We weren't included on play dates because Jacob made cause a little bit more disrupt- disruption than other kids or right. so you know it, it, God, I learned a lot and I'm right. still learning you know it's just constant thinking thinking right. thinking what to do next well and and so you've got this you know having Jacob be born literally changed your entire life and sent you in a different direction than you thought you would be going when you got your journalism degree and um, were working in that field. And so, and then take it one step further and you've written these books and, you know, that's what attracted my attention to want to talk to you because I'm a book writing business coach and I help people write books to build a business and some people don't understand how our professional experience can turn into books that help educate and um, inform and bring people into our world so that they so that we can all work better together I think so that's that's you know writing personal and professional stories um, is very very powerful and I, I think can change the world but in your case you wrote these books and, you know, tell me initially why you decided to, you've got four books now? Four, yes. Four, four books now. What was your initial thinking when you sat down to write the first book, um, Just Hold My Hand? Um, you know, once, once I learned that Jacob was unique, you know, um, he had his own way of handling his day. And you know, different things came into play and different activities and, you know, and different catchphrases because he was always one to say a certain thing that just stuck in my head. And I was like, oh, that's clever or that's an interesting way to put it or see, see things. And so I think as far as writing goes, writing is so therapeutic for me. So when I was having a hard day or, or I needed to get something out, I would just sit and write. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, I should be able to use this in a positive way. You know, I can't look at all these challenges and struggles as negative. I need to pull the positive out of it. Right. And so I, to- I took a total turn and and decided, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And and we actually spent one day at the fair, the county fair. And I would watch Jacob and how he handled each different thing we went to. And you could see that his eyes were just, he was overwhelmed. I mean, his senses were, I mean, his sensory, he was on sensory overload. And with kids with sensory issues, they want to feel grounded. They need to be like reeled back in because they're all over the place. You know, their sight, their smell, just things you take for granted is like excelled to the nth degree for them. So in order to do that in a group, you know, you figure all these people, I said, Jacob, just hold my hand. And holding my hand, helped him just 
you could just feel his whole body just calm down and just relax. And I thought, wow, okay. And so I sat down and I just started writing about the day and what we saw and what we did. And I used that and it slowly became a story. And I thought to myself, you know, this is kind of fun, you know, taking something and, and putting a positive spin on it instead of focusing on the negative. So right. actually I have a really dear friend who is an educator for 40 years and she is just amazing with children. And I gave the story to Mary Beth and I said, would you just read this and see what you think? She said, Oh, you got to get this published. I'm like, I can't get it published. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, no. And she's like, no, we're going to work on this. And we actually attended a seminar at Carthage college together. It was a two day seminar, the best seminar I ever went to. There was, publishers there and editors there and authors and illustrators and it was amazing and I got um, a name of a self-publisher that they highly recommended and that's the route I took I thought okay okay so 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 that's how it started so you since written a book let's see Jacob's Hoop tell us briefly about what that storyline is okay so uh, Jacob's Hoop is actually about every child's place so um, this kind of focuses on his physical limitations. You know, Jacob loves sports. Oh, my gosh, just loves, loves sports. And he loves to play basketball. But clearly, you know, he doesn't throw the same. He can't dribble the ball. You know, there's things, his limitations. So um, as years went on, um, unfortunately, my mother passed away. Mm-hmm. And we had some money from, you know, donations. And I gave it to every child's place. And what they were able to do was create a playground behind our center that was strict well, for kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. It had the, the soft floor wheelchair accessible, you know, all the things that sensory areas, you know, where they could play. But what Ginny did is she put up a basketball hoop, just the right size. And on the back of it, it was called Jacob's hoop. Aww. And that's where Jacob's hoop comes from is, and that hoop is still there today. Um, and that's where that came from. So I needed to write a book about, yeah, that's cool. And so tell us about Bella, because Bella is the, the I guess, hero, heroine of your third yeah, book. She is, yeah, she is amazing. Uh, Bella, oh my goodness, she truly makes our house a home. Um, Jacob loved dogs. And um, I thought, oh, we got to get him a dog. Now, we didn't go into this thinking she would be a therapy dog. We didn't go that route. Um, but we're like, oh, we, and I researched, you know, what kind of dog we should get. And, you know, and I found this Labradoodle breeder. And so, um, my dad's like, you know what, Karen, your mom and I always wanted Jacob to have a dog. I'll help you and let's get this dog for Jacob. So we bring this puppy home. We find the right puppy and we bring this puppy home. And Jacob didn't like the puppy at first. Oh, he, I think he liked dogs outside of the home, but he wasn't quite sure what to do with this puppy in the home. So there was a lot of behaviors. And I knew Bella was special from that point because as a puppy, you know, Jacob is very loud when he has his behaviors and he was extremely upset. And she went and she sat by him as calmly as possible. And she just waited till he calmed down. And I'm like, this is a puppy that did wow. this. No, she wasn't fearful. She was, And I'm like, She's amazing right then and there. And she is now 13 years old Wow! and she is Jacob's pal. And I knew I needed to create a book about her as well, because she truly is a part of his life and what makes him special. So that was that. Awesome. Well, and book number four, I love it. It's called Where Did the Sun Go? And what it reminds me of is going grocery shopping or going anywhere where your children are in that stage of, you know, what's that? What's that? What's that? Who's that? You know, all these questions that they have. So tell us a little bit about where did the sun go? Well, whenever you have to understand, too, that when there's a change in the barometric pressure and there's changes in the weather, behaviors change. Mm-hmm. for us as well as kids with special needs, but more so, especially even for Jacob. So whenever clouds would come in and there was a storm coming, his, he always asked me, mom, where did the sun go? And I'm like, I love that, you know? And so I thought, well, I should really write a book about weather. So then what I did was I happened to go to another writing seminar and I bumped into um, a local meteorologist, uh, mm-hmm. a young girl, 
And we just hit it off. I just went up to her and just started chatting with her. And I said, Lindsay, I said, do you think we could, you could contribute a little something to my book? You know, and so we had discussions. We met a couple times. And I said, you know, I'd really like this book to um, have a little bit of a, you know, a learning part as well that maybe a teacher could use it as a tool. And so she wrote a paragraph in back of how a storm starts and stops in a very simple way. Hmm. And so it was nice to collaborate with her in incorporating her into how um, weather affects Jacob. And I just took kind of a, a day when a storm hit and what we do and the, the sequence that I follow to help him get through it. And um, that's where did the sun go? That's awesome. So you got four books now. You got more coming? Uh, I would like to. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so tell me where people, well, let's step back a minute. So these books, as again, as a book writing business coach, as a marketing person, I'm thinking, okay, who are these books for? So I'm thinking educators, um, mm-hmm. school librarians, um, grandparents, parents, um, anybody who has a special needs child or works with special needs children or somebody who just wants to raise their children in a way that they're empathetic and knowledgeable and understanding and maybe can bring those children in because, you know, the, the whole part of the, you know, mindset meets mastery is the mindsets are, you know, that these children want to be left alone, that the parents want to be left alone. But you and I both know that that's not necessarily true. So have I hit your target market? Yes, to a T. And especially the last one. Yay, you're right. Um, There's professional credibility in that. (laughs) You want to go? The last group more so, too, because I want other people to understand. You know, so parents or families who have kids with special needs clearly understand and they get it, which I, I mean, I love them to have the book and they're thrilled. They always thank me for writing the books. They're like, you know, you can't find books like this. And I'm like, oh, that, you know, just warms my heart. I'm thrilled. But I do want that everyday person who has a typically developing child to pick up my book and say, we have to learn something here. You know, we need to accept children and we need to understand why they're different. And it's not because they want to cause problems or, you know, anything like that. It, it, it's, it's their way of communicating. It's way of telling something and I just right. want other kids not to look down at that but to maybe step back and say I wonder what's wrong or I wonder what they're trying to say right. and, and and maybe give that child help and we were very fortunate I have to say through Jacob's schooling that he did have kids who were very accepting of him and he did have others that took care of him and I was so right. grateful for that so That's grateful right. and um yeah that definitely is my target market okay. all those people that you said well, and, and we're in the holiday season, and so I'm just going to toss that out there, people listening. So these are great books. The illustrations are adorable. So tell people how they can connect with you because you also are a speaker as well as having these books. How can they find you on the Internet or on social media, places like that? Um, my books are available online at you know Amazon and Barnes & Noble, but I love getting um, emails or comments or reviews on my website, okay. um, because if you want a book, I would love it if you get it directly from me, because then I'd love to put my personal autograph in there. Sometimes even Jacob signs the book and that just adds a personal touch. And I think through the holidays, especially now where, you know, we just need to be so thankful and grateful for so many things that I, I just like to make these books even more special at this time of year. And I would love for people to buy books for the holiday and what a great time to sit down with your kids and read, you know, as you're home. And um, they're great. They're great books that I just, I love sharing. And what a great so, idea. So people yeah. can buy directly from you off of your Absolutely. website yep. and you'll autograph them. Jacob will autograph them. That would be great. So you can buy these as gifts for your grandchildren or your children and for your school districts. School yep. districts never have enough great books or great books that they can rotate out stock and mm-hmm. things. So again, tell us that website, please. It's uh, KarenFrancoBooks.com. 
Okay. So that's where you find Karen. So Karen, we got just a couple minutes left and I want to real quick, because I do this to every guest, is put you on the hot seat. (laughs) So here we go. Um, What is one mindset that you had through your experience, one mindset that if you had not overcome it, would have held you back and kept you from being um, becoming the author and the speaker and having the success that you have today? What is one negative mindset? To never give up. Never give up. Okay. Never give up. And your child will surprise you. Your child has so much to give. Um, and just be grateful for their loving heart and their uh, the joy Um I hope I answered that question. Yeah, so never, I mean, never give up. That encompasses everything. So with the mindset that we want to master the never giving up um, and and getting, you know, having those negative voices in our heads to take a back seat, that's the goal. What is one golden nugget of wisdom that you could share with parents or with my audience about how to succeed in being more empathetic and capable as a parent and as a friend of a parent or a child? Oh my goodness. That is a tough, um, observe and listen because you'll really be amazed at what your child is trying to tell you, even if they're nonverbal, you know, I think, that's the only way as a parent you learn. I mean, even today to learn from Jacob, he may be able to speak, but that conversation isn't there. So I really have to observe his behaviors or how he acts in order to understand what to do next. Okay. Well, and I think something that comes to mind that, you know, I think that I've been guilty of this, so I'll just toss it out there. You know, this is, I guess, Arlene's self-confession moment. Uh, (laughs) You know, sometimes we see parents who are dealing with, differently able children and we back away because we're afraid that we're going to say something wrong or do something wrong what would you say to a parent or of another child who sees who wants to help who wants to maybe make a difference but is afraid to take that step with someone like you and Jacob what would what wisdom would you give us what would you teach us um smiling at that mother in distress Mm. It's probably the best thing you can do. Or maybe even just say, it's okay. Because, you know, as a mom, you know, going to the store and your son is having a meltdown on the floor and you're so upset and you're worried. Oh, my God, what is everyone thinking? You know, if another person would just smile and say, it's okay, um, that would make a world of difference. They can't really help because there's so much involved. But just those words that, or I understand because um, that goes back to the you don't feel so alone. Yeah, and it speaks volumes that you're not being looked at funny or you're not being, you know, judged or judged. You know, oh my God, look at that mother, you know, because you have no idea what that mother's going through, but a smile and a simple I understand or it's okay would speak volumes. Yeah, to help that person. Okay, great, great wisdom, and something that I think all of us could do all the time is to show that empathy and smile, and you know, just say, "I understand." Um, yeah, I remember those meltdowns too. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're waving. Hey, I can't do this anymore. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's so many stories I could tell you where I sat down right next to my child and cried too. <laughs> Anyway, that's a whole different program. But um, her, my guest today is Karen Franco, and it's F-R-A-N-C-O, right? Yes. Karen Franco. Give us the website again, please. Uh, KarenFrancoBooks.com. Okay. I encourage you all to connect with Karen. Get her books. Great gift ideas. Great um illustrations, great stories. So please connect with Karen Franco. And Karen, I just want to thank you. I know you're really busy and you're doing such a great job of teaching people like me how to handle and help and be supportive of parents with special needs children and those children. So thank you for helping me to learn a thing or two or three or four today. And thank you. You're very welcome. 
thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. So for all of my listeners, I want to leave you with this. Until next time, be mindful of the stories that you tell yourself about what is or is not possible for you. Don't let anyone else dictate your story. Only you have the power to choose how you master your success. And when you're ready to write your story, write your book, get a hold of me. My website is bookwritingbusiness.com and let's make it happen. Until next time, take care. Bookwritingbusiness.com. Thank you for joining Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale, the expert in helping people write business building books. Join us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio when we'll talk more about how mindsets help or hinder success mastery. Please visit bookwritingbusiness.com to get more information on writing your professional or personal story.